Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. The foundations of Christianity rest on three things. One is the understanding that all human beings are imperfect and live below our divine design. The second is our belief in the existence of God and his character as a creator of all things. And the third is God's compassion on our human condition and the sending of Jesus as an answer to our human flaws, which we refer to as sin. Today we look closely at the third element with a message titled, What Happened on the Cross? Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the podcast. Amen. This morning we have not uh, received offering. We'll do that at the very end of the service. But right now I'd like you to open your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Colossians chapter 2. The book of Colossians chapter 2. Two, Praise the Lord. Wasn't that an awesome, awesome worship time? And uh, our children, Abundant Kids, did a wonderful job this morning. Let's give them a hand as Abundant Kids are heading down for something special downstairs, I do believe. Amen. Praise the Lord. When I was a little kid, we used to uh, have Easter egg hunts. Amen. At my grandmother's house. And I had a supernatural edge over the other kids. (laughs) I was not only the oldest grandchild, I lived at my grandmother's house. So I knew every nook and cranny where an egg might lie. Amen. (laughs) The other ones didn't have a chance. Amen. Amen. But I didn't like eggs, so I would give all of them away. I still have a hard time with an egg, but that's another story for another time. Amen. (laughs) amen matter of fact I didn't eat an egg until I my wife we got married and she scrambled an egg for me and stared at me and I had to out of love I had to eat my eggs (laughs) amen amen I didn't like eggs but I was smart enough to know I needed to eat that one amen (laughs) amen Colossians chapter 2 I'm going to ask you a question what happened on the cross What happened on the cross? We're talking about the cross, and we're talking about Jesus doing it again. We're talking about he's willing to go through that process again. But the question is, what happened on the cross? And many times we know that he hung his arms. He was nailed to the cross. We know that the Roman soldiers mocked him. We know that various things happened that day. We know that as he's hanging there, that his mother and his disciples and uh, others are crying at the foot of the cross. We know that he stands on the cross and he has a series of statements that he says everywhere from, Father, why have you forsaken me to it is finished? We know those things, but the question is, what happened on the cross? (laughs) Amen. Colossians chapter 2, open your Bibles there. If you're not there already, tell your neighbor, say, I'm faster than you were. Amen. Come on. Come on, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and through empty deceit, according to the tradition of men according to the basic principles of the world and not according to 
Christ. I'm going to stop right there. I was sharing with my wife, I was, I was doing some research about a few different things, and, and one of the things I ran into is I ran into two unfortunate stories that really have been, they've been the stories have been sticking with me because of the, 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 the gravity of the stories. This first was about a young person who grew up in a Christian, the, the article referred to it as a cult, but it was a, a, a branch of Christianity where they were extremely dogmatic, very religious, and some, some um, not godly things occurred to this individual, and this individual grew up and became kind of a guru of form. They discovered some things and different, uh, different nature of religion. They got involved with this, and they began doing this, and they began leading people and growing a crowd. As they were growing a crowd, at the age of 43, this individual ended up committing suicide. And the sadness of the story was is that people began to follow this individual. This individual was actually, uh, had actually, uh, on, on YouTube, this person had over, over 3 million subscribers. This is not like a person in a corner. This is a person who is out there, who's got people following them, making comments, saying, wow, you're changing my life with what you're saying, except it wasn't changing their life. It was part of a vain philosophy that many of us have heard before. But this vain philosophy would not deliver for the individual who was delivering the message. And unfortunately, this individual ended up committing suicide. Um, The other story was about a young person who was a worship leader in their church. And this individual had been uh, doing worship, but was dealing with some depression issues and ends up unfortunately becoming involved in, in, in adult films. And in this work, this individual also ended up attempting to commit suicide. And as I'm reading these two stories, I'm reading these and I'm I'm recognizing that there are things in life that make you promises, but they don't deliver. Amen? Amen. Because this particular religion the first individual was, was involved in, it makes a promise of inner peace, except it doesn't create inner peace because it can't deal with the one thing that the cross actually dealt with. And that is your sin nature. See, I can tell you things that make you feel better about yourself, but it doesn't change the nature of sin on the inside of us. Amen. And so what Paul is telling the church of Colossians, he said, don't let anybody cheat you. Don't let somebody come alongside of you. Now that you've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, you found yourself in the gospel. Don't let someone come along and cheat you out of the simple truth that Jesus alone can wash your sins. Amen. Amen. Because tell me what, there's a lot of Christians who are believing a lot of things that are not Jesus. There's a lot of Christians adding a whole lot of things to Christianity that aren't about Jesus. And unfortunately, those things are things that come to cheat you out of the simple truth. Amen. Amen. See, on Easter is when we need to remember the resurrection and understand what actually happened on the cross. Because what happened on the cross was not just Jesus making you feel better about yourself, but actually dying for your sins. Amen. At first, you've got to believe that you were born a sinner in order to recognize he died for your sins. Amen. Because there's a lot of people trying to tell people that babies are born sinless. But unfortunately, it is not true. Because gen, gen, uh, sin itself actually is transported from your genetics to your baby's genetics. And because you were born a sinner, your baby's born a sinner. Okay. 
Amen. Because my mother was a sinner, I was born a sinner. And because her parents were sinners, they were born sinners. Everybody's born because of what's passed on all the way back to the ultimate individuals, that is Adam and Eve, coming together and creating a nation, a race, a group of people who we all descend and are all born under sin. Amen. Amen. Beautiful babies. I saw, I see the babies in the Easter wear. I saw a picture of that baby back there. I saw a picture of her earlier. That's a beautiful baby. Look at her standing in her daddy's lap. Amen. Looking all cute and everything. Amen. Got her Easter stuff on and born a sinner. <laughs> her granddaddy said, watch it now. <laughs> Amen. Y'all know that's true. All humanity is born under sin, and therefore all humanity needs salvation. All humanity needs salvation. And when it comes to sin, sometimes we've been taught that there are degrees of sin in the world. That there are the real bad sinners, and then there's the rest of us. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I worked at one point in my life, I worked doing prison reentry. And so I would meet people, and I walked in the prison with my preconceived notions about people in prison. But guess what? They were just like me. I sat across the people, and I heard some stuff, and I heard rationale for stuff, and I heard people say stuff, and I realized, man, they're just like me. Put me in the same circumstance? You could just flip the table around. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Sin doesn't care how deep it is. It is only a nature that causes the human being to pick self over others and over God. Amen. See, the Bible tells us that at one point, at some point in history, and not in history, some point in our future, there will become a great falling away. There will be a great falling away. And that falling away, it says that men will become lovers of themselves. Amen. How many have heard this say, I'm just living my own life? Come on, how, how many have said, I'm living my own life? I, I've said it. <laughs> I'm about to live my own life. Get this. <laughs> Forget church. <laughs> Forget church people. <laughs> I'm living my own life. <laughs> and then the Lord says, you are living your own life, and your life is not your own. <laughs> You've been bought with a price. Amen. Amen. The blood of Jesus. So the Lord had to help me remember, don't let yourself get cheated through empty deceit. An empty deceit. What is an empty deceit? An empty deceit is a lie that has no promise behind it. We took our kids to uh, Universal Studios one time. We were, we were uh, going and, and we're riding on the little tram and they take us down this street and all these houses are on the street. Except the problem is when you turn the corner, you realize those weren't houses. Those were facades. <laughs> I said, man, leave, leave it to Beaver didn't really have that house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that was my, my old, uh, you know, my old rerun back in the day. Amen. I didn't see it the first time. I saw it the second time. Amen. Anyway, 
They're showing these houses that you've identified and seen on television, but they're not there. It's just the front of the house and some sticks behind it holding it up. That's what empty deceit is. Something that looks substantive on the outside, but when you get inside of it, there ain't nothing there. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Don't get cheated by empty deceit according to the traditions of men. I don't want to be critical, but I am going to be today. There are some things that people are getting involved in that are at, they're adding to Christianity that unfortunately originate from places we don't want to go. So I know a person, they say, said they went on this trip, they went to this other country, and they said, oh, the people there just, the people there, it's the, the pace is slower, and the people are so, they're so calm, the people there, they're so calm. I said, yeah. So they started dabbling in the religion of the people. So you already a Christian, but now you're adding to your Christianity other elements. So I said, well, why do you think the people are so calm? Why do you think the pace is so slow? They said, oh, I, don't, I never thought about it. I said, did you think about the fact that country has 62% unemployment? <laughs> That's why it's so slow. <laughs> ain't, nobody trying, ain't nobody going to work. Amen. <laughs> Those, the individuals in this particular country where they're pulling stuff from, the individuals are struggling and we are sending money to them. But you're going to adopt their religion. Come on, y'all. Come on. Come on. Come on. Listen, I'm going to try, I'm trying to explain something. What happened on the cross is there was a transformation given to humanity. And everywhere the gospel has gone, the gospel has brought some level of prosperity Everywhere it's gone throughout the years. It has been corrupted by man's because man still hasn't always dealt with his heart. But everywhere the gospel has gone, there's been a certain level of prosperity that's come with the gospel. Now, understand this. If you embrace the truth fully, you can receive the prosperity that comes with it and not also kill or enslave your brothers. See, we reject things because we've seen problems with it instead of saying the problem is probably with the person holding it. (laughs) All right, amen. Come on, come on, come on. (laughs) Amen. Let's go to the next verse. For in him, Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. So the first thing that came from the gospel was Jesus saying, guess what? I'm giving you something that you should not fall for deceit for. The second thing he says, I'm making you through the cross. I'm making you complete. Amen. So I feel complete in Christ. I understand that I've been made complete in him. And sometimes my feelings will say, wait a minute, you're lacking something. And I have to bring my feelings back into understanding, no, I'm complete. I'm complete in Christ. When I was saved, when I gave my life to Christ, I became fully complete in Christ. Look at the next verse. He's the head of all principality and power. Verse 11. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. Circumcision is a symbol of covenant with God in which that covenant, there's a cutting away of something that's not necessary. 
And that thing is pushed away and you're separated from it forever. So he says, you're circumcised not with a circumcision made with hands, but a spiritual circumcision. In other words, God circumcises the heart. God cuts away the things from our heart that do not need to be there. Amen. Putting off the body of sins by the circumcision of Christ. You're buried with him in baptism. In other words, baptism is a symbol of your burial, that when you are baptized, you are taken down into the water, symbolizing your death, and you are raised again in the newness of life. Amen? Amen. In which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. In other words, that baptism symbol is a symbol of your life and transformation that when you gave your life to Christ, you were dying, you died, and you were risen alive. Amen? man. Baptism itself doesn't save you. As you heard many more times, somebody who's not known God and got baptized went down a wet devil and came up, or went down a dry one and came up a wet one. Amen? Amen. Amen. (laughs) Verse 13. (laughs) And you, being dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him having forgiven you half of your trespasses. <laughs> having forgiven you all of your trespasses. Amen. Come on. Turn in and say, I know what you did. <laughs> and you're forgiven. <laughs> and turn the other one and say, and the stuff I don't know, <laughs> you're still forgiven. <laughs> Amen. You have been forgiven of your trespasses. What does that mean? That means that that person who we look at and we say, man, they are really evil. If that person comes to Christ, they're forgiven of those trespasses. Amen. And then those of us who look like we haven't done nothing and have done stuff, then we're forgiven of our trespasses. Amen. And then there's the people in the middle who just, I don't know, you're forgiven of yours too. Because we think in extremes in this country. We think about the people way the goody two-shoes on one side, and we think about them dirty devils on the other side. But there's a whole bunch of us in the middle who need to come to grips with the reality that you're forgiven. Amen. We hear testimonies of people, they got delivered from this, and they say, man, I didn't get get delivered from anything. Yeah, you did. You got delivered from your sin nature. (laughs) Amen. Next verse. And this is where I really want you to pay close attention. Verse 14. And he who has seen has testified. Oops, wrong one. I want to go back to uh, Colossians. Verse 14. Let's do 13 again. I want to, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was, was against us, which was contrary to us, and has taken it out of the way, having what? Nailed it to the cross. What is the handwriting of requirements that's against you? It is the law. See, when many of us, when we grew up there, we were taught the Ten Commandments. You've got to follow the Ten Commandments. And I could never, I could never get past Commandment 3. Not that I was doing it, but I couldn't remember past commandment three. Amen? (laughs) 
Oh man, I, I, first one, uh, okay. You shall have no other gods. Man, I forgot the, what, what's the next one? How am I going to live up to it if I can't even remember it? <laughs> and the whole book of Deuteronomy, Leviticus, is full of laws. They're full of rules you're supposed to follow. And I couldn't remember the first three commandments, which is only part of the whole law. How am I going to live up to that? How are you going to live up this whole handwriting of requirements laid against you? Now, you might say, well, I wasn't going to follow those anyway. <laughs> but there's some other requirements laid against us. There's called the requirements of condemnation. In other words, there are things that you do in life that you regret. And sometimes you can't let go of those. And they become handwriting of requirements against you. In other words, you, you oh, man, I would really walk with God, but, I, but you know, I did this back in my past. Or man, I, I, would, I would really give myself over to God, but I, I know I can't, I can't deal with this. Or I have this thing or that thing. And as soon as I get this right, I'm going to walk for God. As soon as I do this, I'm going to live for God. Or man, but you know what? I was walking with God, and then I backed away, and I lost time, and all these years passed, and I can't never really become what God called me to become. That's handwriting of requirements. And those are the things that stop people from doing what God has called them to do, even when they know God called them to do it. Those are the things that get in our way and say, ma'am, you know, I messed up and I did this. You, what you're doing is you are taking those requirements off the cross and laying them on your own shoulders. Amen. Amen. You're taking those things that God, Christ died for and you're pulling them down and you're wearing them. And they're heavy when you put them on. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you, I'll tell you from my own personal experience, they are heavy when you pull them down. Amen. They kept you, they kept you out of heaven for a reason. Because <laughs> you're not designed to bear those things. And when you read this and you say what Jesus did on the cross is he took all the requirements, all the handwriting of things, all the things that you think keep you from God. He took all of those things and he nailed them to the cross. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Look at verse 15. Having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. What does that mean? That means even the devil that we give so much power to, even he's been dealt with. Amen. He's been made a spectacle. Amen. The devil's been made a spectacle. <laughs> How many of y'all heard people say, man, the devil's on my back today? Oh, the devil's oh, he's, oh, the devil's after me today. <laughs> I'm gonna let that marinate for, for y'all because I want y'all to think about it because we all say that. Ooh, I'm, I'm, oh, I was fighting the devil. This, you know, somebody told, said one time, the devil himself came after me. <laughs> I, said, I said, the devil himself? <laughs> he didn't send no demon, the devil came? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. You must have really been doing something tough if the devil himself had to come after you. <laughs> Amen. Some of us don't believe in the devil, though. 
Amen. So what I'm saying here is on the cross, a couple of things happen. Number one, like I said, number one, you need to know that you should not be cheated out of the simplicity that's in Christ. What's the simplicity? Christ died for me. I walk free. Number two, you should remember that there are things out there that will try to cheat you out of that simplicity. Number three is you've been made complete in Christ. When you receive Christ, you lack nothing. Even if you don't think you have everything, you lack nothing. Amen? Number four, when you were dead in your trespasses, he made you alive. Amen. Listen, don't live dead. Don't live a dead life. You know what a dead life is? Living a dead life is not fully receiving all God has for you and living halfway what you could live. Amen. Come on, I want to encourage you today. I want you to understand that God has given us more than what we've received so far. Next thing is, he disarmed the principalities and powers that were against you. Amen. Disarmed means that its power was taken away. Now, I want you to understand something. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 19. Tell your neighbor, say, I know it's Easter, and it's hot in here, but don't you go to sleep right now. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Come on. I'll deal with reality. Amen. It's hot in here. <laughs> Amen. John chapter 19, verse 1. Now, we talked about those things that are on the cross, but I want you to see the picture of the cross so you can put this into context. John chapter 19, verse 1 says, So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. What does it mean? It's to scourge. It means to beat him. Pilate took Jesus and he beat him. We heard the spoken word this morning about him being beaten. Then it says, And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put him on a purple robe. They put a crown of thorns on his head. Now there's rose thorns and then there's wild thorns. Some of us, when we say thorn, we have a picture, we, we're domestic. You know, we, got, we have a domestic life. We don't live out in the wild. And so we think about these little thorns on roses because that's what we're exposed to. But they're talking about wild thorns. Thorns that are, are, are huge, that are big, that are, are in some parts of the world, thorns are used as nails. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns. In other words, this branch that had thorns on it was twisted around to make a crown and was placed on his head. And they put him on a purple robe. And then they said, hail to the king of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no fault with him. In other words, he brought him back out to the crowd after he beat him and put a crown of thorns on him and put a purple robe to symbolizing that he was royalty, pushed him back in front of the crowd and said, Now, is this good enough? Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no fault 
Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault with him. Then the Jews answered and saying, We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. There's people all over the world calling themselves the sons of God. Nobody's mad about it. Jesus is about to be crucified for calling himself the Son of God. Verse 8, therefore when Pilate heard that saying, he was more afraid. And he went again to the praetorium and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why is he asking Jesus where he's from now? Because he's trying to figure out, wait a minute. This crowd has never been this upset with anybody doing anything. Why is they so upset with this guy? Who are you? Where are you from? And Jesus wouldn't answer him. And then this next line, you need to really grasp. Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? And Jesus answered You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. See, there's a lot of things humanly playing out, but when God is on your side, nobody has power over you. Amen. See, when Jesus said, that's why you can't be deceived. Don't be lulled to sleep by vain philosophy. This Christianity we have, this is what it's coming down to. When God is on my side, nobody can stand against me. Nobody can stand against you when God is on your side. Amen. Come on. You would have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. In other words, you're wrong, but the person who's trying to get this going, they're more wrong. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes him a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate, therefore, heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew it's called Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, behold, your king. But they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. <laughs> the religious people are so angry with Jesus that they won't even say God's our king. They're going to say, we want to serve our captor. Let me tell you something, when you start talking, you know why people say don't talk about religion and politics? Because faith is real. And people don't want to argue because they know when you talk about what you believe, you will fight about what you believe. Amen. That's the measure. I know how much you believe something if you're willing to fight about it. Amen. (laughs) But they didn't want to fight. They said, no, he's not our king. We serve Caesar. 
man. So he delivered him to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. I want you to skip down to verse 25. Praise the Lord. There's three things I want to point out to you here that are all going to talk about what happened on the cross. Verse 25, Therefore stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clepas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own house. The first thing here is understanding that Friday marks what we call Good Friday. It is the scene of the cross. Sunday represents Easter, which is the scene of the resurrection. But the resurrection that we preach, as I preach things to you about the resurrection, they don't mean anything until you relate it to the cross. You got to relate it to Friday to understand Sunday. Because Sunday is just another good thing that somebody did unless you understand Friday. When you understand Friday, you understand that he was seen by multiple leaders in the nation. And multiple leaders in the nation say, I don't see anything wrong with this guy. I don't see anything wrong with him. I have nothing to charge him with. I can't do anything. And the Jews, who should be the ones saying, wait a minute, are we listening for God? They're so overcome with their own personal emotions about their position and who they are and his challenge to them that they would rather see him dead. Even when they seen him raise people from the dead, (laughs) when they seen him restore sight to people, when they seen him grow out a limb, when they seen him turn water into wine, when they see multiple miracles from this man, they would rather see him dead than give up their position. That's what Jesus is standing against that day. And when he's justified, why will he go through that when he's justified? But they're on the cross after beating, after hanging on the cross, after mocking from soldiers. He's still there and he looks down and he says, woman, this is your son. My disciple, this is now your mother. You need to take care of each other. First thing, expectation he lays out for those that are coming behind is that in the body of Christ, we need to be taking care of each other. Amen. Amen. A church and a church unless we take care of each other. Very first thing he lays out. Verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished. Wait a minute. What's been accomplished? He's a man hanging on the cross. What has been accomplished? You haven't been in control of this whole situation. See, we think when stuff is happening to us, we're not in control. That's not true. Amen. When you know who you are, even when stuff is happening to you, you can be in control of the situation. Amen. Come on. You might be doing stuff to me, but I'm still in control. (laughs) Amen. When he saw that this stuff was accomplished, what's been accomplished? Humiliation. An innocent man on a cross. It's been accomplished. 
So what does he say when something's been accomplished? What do you say when you accomplish something? Woo, woo, praise God, I'm done. See, when you say, when you get done with something, you say, oh man, I'm done. And if it was something you didn't like that you had to do, you say, woo, praise the Lord, man, I'm done with that. <laughs> but what did Jesus say when he was done? He didn't say it's finished. Read the text. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. <laughs> Amen. I thirst. UCSF has a, a, a study that they did recently. And in this study that they're doing, they bring up the issue of the connection between thirst and blood. And when someone has a significant thirst, it's because of the blood. See, we, we, we think of thirst just being my body, I just need water. No, 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 it's your blood. And what's happening is when you have a significant drop in your blood, drop in the, in the amount of blood in your body, or a concentration of your blood, that you become thirsty. <laughs> when you have a significant drop in your blood levels, that it manifests in thirst. So what's been accomplished? Jesus said, everything I need to do with this blood in my body is almost done. It's almost accomplished. So now I'm thirsty. In other words, the blood in me is already ready. Everything that's required to bring salvation is done. And so it's already ready to be released. And so what happens here is that he asks for, he declares that he's thirsty and they don't understand. And so they try to give him some sour wine. So they dip sour wine in a sponge and they try to give it to him on what's called a stick called a hyssop. And the word hyssop in Greek is coming from a root word that means poverty or lacking. So what they're doing is they're feeding him sour wine to Jesus as he's crying out about his thirst, but they're giving him something that can't meet his thirst. They're trying to feed him something they can't meet. And what was it? It's an evidence that the system of the world that we just read about in Colossians is trying to give him something that can't satisfy what the real issue is. Amen. And that's how life is. Life is full of real issues that we are served up solutions that don't work, which is why a person who is a guru with millions of followers finds it that they need to take their own life. Because life your thirst in life can't be solved with human solutions. Amen. Your human thirst can't be solved with human solutions. And the more you try to feed your human thirst, whatever it is, you're thirsty for this or thirsty for that. And again, you understand, we've all seen it, when you're feeling hungry and you go to the refrigerator and you look and see all kinds of food in there, you won't eat nothing in there. You know why? It's not because you're hungry, it's because you're really thirsty. Your mind sees all the food and says, that ain't what I want. <laughs> I guarantee you, go drink a glass of water, you'll be totally satisfied, you'll go back to sleep. Because thirst 
in the human gets mistaken for lots of other things. Amen. And spiritual thirst for sure gets mistaken for a lot of other things. Amen. Amen. Come on now. A vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and they filled it with a sponge, sour wine, put it on hyssop, put it in his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, that's it. (laughs) They got nothing for me. I'm finished. It's finished. Amen. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. This is the other thing you need to know about, about the cross. Jesus didn't die on the cross. Jesus, Jesus gave up his life on the cross. That's why that conversation with <clears throat> Pilate is so important. Because he expressed to Pilate, you don't understand who I am. You don't have any power over me. Not only do you not have power over me, death doesn't have power over me. (laughs) And you're wondering who I am because you see something's different about me. Because I'm not like you. (laughs) Amen. Jesus is the sinless son of God who lives, gives up his life. It's one thing for somebody to be crucified for your behalf. But he was hanging on the cross. He gave up his life. It means when you have a choice to do something, it's different than when you're forced to do it. Amen? Jesus didn't give up his life by force. He gave up his life by choice. Let's go to verse 31. Therefore, because it was the preparation day that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. In other words, many times when people hung on crosses, it took them multiple days to die. People didn't just die one day on the cross. And a matter of fact, so in order to accelerate the issue, they broke their legs so that their weight would then be pushed down and it would force them to actually suffocate. But when they got to Jesus... The Jews asked that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Next verse. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was what? He was already dead. It should have took days for him to die, but he didn't. He said, nope, it's finished. I'm done. See, why is all this important? It's important because you need to understand Christianity is not just a religion. It is the power of overcoming death. It It is an individual who we worship, who is an individual who has given up his life by his own power and then took his own life back by his own power. Amen. Amen. So, so I don't worship Jesus because he's a nice guy and got a great philosophy. I worship Jesus because he's overcome death in the grave. <laughs> Amen. He's overcome those things and therefore he empowers my life to overcome. Amen. Come on, y'all. I hope y'all, were, I hope y'all are really excited about Jesus this morning. Amen. 
Verse 3 33. When they came to Jesus, they saw he was already dead, but they did not, so they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. Blood and water had already filled his side, which means that he had already been dead for a while. By the time they figured it out, Jesus was already gone. Amen. Now these things were done, excuse me, but one of the soldiers pierced his side and immediately blood and water came out. And he who was seen and has testified, his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. For these things were done that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look upon him whom they pierced. Go back to Colossians chapter 2 and we're going to close with this. It was spoken prophetically what Jesus would do on the cross. It was spoken prophetically years before in the book of Isaiah. It was already spoken what would happen. 500 years before Jesus ever died, all those things were spoken about him. What would happen? How it would happen? Psalms, the book of Psalms records the things that would happen on the cross. And all these things have happened in order that we might believe. Verse 14. Jesus having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. What I want everybody to leave here today with in the celebration of Easter is freedom. See, the handwriting requirements that was laid against me, all the things that people see about me and say is not perfect. All the things people see about me and say, oh, man, he, he would be okay if he could just do this. No, I'm okay just like I am. Amen. Amen. I'm okay like I am in Christ. Amen. Because I've been made complete in Christ. I've been given the power of God, and I have been given everything that's required to live a godly life. Amen. So I don't live under condemnation. And there's a lot of Christians living under condemnation, still trying to live up to standards that you can't live up to. And then you have the other side that just says, well, I can't live up to it, so I'm not going to try. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But this says he wiped out the handwriting of requirements against us that was contrary to you. Amen. The handwriting requirements that was against you, he has nailed it to the cross once and for all. You're free to live above the level of mediocrity. You're free to live a life of power. You're free to live a life without condemnation. You are free to live a life that can live righteous. You're free to live a life not just fulfilling your dreams, but fulfilling things that others need, a life of purpose. Anybody who lives and is not living for purpose is because we haven't remembered this cross. We haven't remembered that we're, all the handwriting of just living to live are no longer there. We can live to do what God has called us to do. We have a life that now puts us back into unity and union with our creator. And whenever we feel off balance, we can go to God and get our balance back. 
We live a life right now that is not me trying to earn my way somewhere. I'm not trying to earn my way anywhere. My way has already been made for me. Amen. Cross, the cross has made the way for me. It's taken every requirement out of the way so I can get to God. And I don't get to God when I go to heaven. I got God now. My life right now, I have access, boldness to come before the throne of grace. Why? Because no matter what's going on around me, it doesn't make a difference. I have an access to God. I can listen for God's voice. And when everything goes crazy around me, I can still myself. And wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Me and God got a connection directly. Come on. I don't have to. I don't have to. I don't have to. Listen, I love you, but I don't have to wait for you to call me back to find out what God said. Amen. I can hear God on my own. And guess what? Then I get the power of unity with all of you who can hear God on their own. Amen. I get the power of the unity. I get the power of now being able to solve problems between us. Because you know why? Because we have a common mediator between God and men. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Amen. I now have access to him. I have access to loving you. Amen. Guess what? I can love you past where I want to love you. Amen. You know why? Because he loves me. (laughs) He loved me enough to die for me. So at least I can do is put up with you. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. I can love you. Amen. Why? Christ died for me so I can love on you. Amen. What I have access to? I have access to the healing that's in Christ. His blood was shed. What for? For the healing of us. Amen. That we might be healed. That we might be able to walk in healing to the extent that we can do what God has called us to do. Amen. What else did he do? He supplied me, made me complete. I lack nothing. And because I lack nothing, I don't have to beg for nothing. Amen. You know why that's so important? Because the church hasn't believed that it lacks nothing. And sometimes the church finds itself begging for everything. Amen. I'm serious. I'm serious. Sometimes the church has found itself begging for everything because we haven't realized we lack nothing. Amen. We're trying to negotiate with sinners to do stuff for us. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to negotiate with you. God is my source. Amen. Now, if God moves on your heart and tells you to give me something, I'm going to say, praise the Lord. However, I'm not coming to you begging you for nothing. Amen. (laughs) One of my mentors says this. He said, hey, whatever you bow to on the way up, it will own you when you get to the top. Amen. (laughs) So you don't beg for nothing. Amen. Amen. Come on. Why? Because this gospel is the power of God. This day that we celebrate is a day that we celebrate the power that's in the church of Jesus Christ because of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. What happened on the cross? What happened on the cross is he empowered us to be able to be vessels to receive the spirit of God, which contains his wisdom, his understanding, and his ability to get anything done. So anything that needs to get done can get done because of what God has done in us. Amen. 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 Come on. If you're going back to school, guess what? God's going to get you through it. Amen. Come on. Come on. If you're struggling in your marriage, God's going to get you through it. Amen. Why? Because you've been made complete. Amen. Amen. Two complete people can come together. Two incomplete people are going to fight like nobody business. Amen. (laughs) Because we keep looking for each other to complete each other, and you can't complete me. I'm made complete in Christ. Amen. Amen. So listen, my wife does awesome things for me all the time. 
but I'm complete without her. Amen. She does awesome things for me. She, she, my, my wife goes over and above. My wife is wonderful. Listen, somebody want to do trade value? You, your trade ain't enough. Amen. You ain't got nothing to trade me. <laughs> Amen. But she can't complete me. Amen. So my wife's not to blame for anything in my life. If I'm lacking something, it's because I haven't pulled it down from God. Amen. Amen. And guess what? If you're looking for a spouse, don't look for somebody to complete you. Amen. Because guess what? They might build the wrong thing. Amen. <laughs> Come on. You made of bricks, and they're trying to, they're trying to build you up with, with straw. Come on now. <laughs> don't, don't, do, don't fall for that one. Amen. Everything is complete in Christ. Amen. Remember the cross. He did everything for us. Amen. Everything for us. Everything for us. Amen. Come on, let's stand on our feet. Let's give God some praise for a moment. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We celebrate resurrection. We're celebrating the resurrection. So as you're standing, we're going to pray very quickly. And then I'm going to have you sit down after we pray real quickly for one last thing. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for the, the worship of God. We thank you for these wonderful people in this room today. We thank you, Lord, for the openness to the word of God. And we pray that the word would minister to us. Lord, the word would strengthen us today. We thank you, Lord, for as you minister to us, Lord, let, let our hearts and minds be filled with the goodness and the mercy of God. We thank you, Father, right now, Lord, that you make every person in here know that in Christ they've been made complete. Lord, I thank you that the message that they lack nothing is, is moving over everyone's heart and mind here, Lord God. Or the spirit of completion, the spirit of understanding be here in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, anyone living under condemnation, Lord, that you blot out that condemnation, Lord. Hallelujah. I thank you right now for blotting out the spirit of condemnation. I thank you, Lord, that we're not designed to bear those weights of condemnation, but Christ has come to lift the weight of condemnation off of us. We thank you that our mistakes are errors of the past, Lord, that they've been dealt with on the cross. And we refuse to take those things off of the cross. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, you see us as we are. Hallelujah. And we thank you that you've made us complete in Christ. Hallelujah. That which was lacking in us, we thank you that you've met by your Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you that as the song says, that we are beautiful to you. Hallelujah. Thank you, flaws, faults, not enough to stop the love of God coming and flowing over us. We thank you, Lord, that we don't even have to appear perfect. And we thank you, Lord, that you are making the way for all things in us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you're here today and you need... Thank you for listening to today's message titled, What Happened on the Cross? For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. On our site, you're going to find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. Once again, our site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. And God bless. We look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. And remember, Jesus came that you might have life, and that more abundantly.